as they sat together at the arena watching their kids play hockey. Nancy shared with her friend Cheryl something that she'd never shared with anyone before. She slowly whispered to her and said, unless something changes, I, I don't think we're going to make it. Nancy had watched a lot of sports over the years with her friend and uh, watching their kids. And so they talked about all kinds of things over the years. In the last number of months, though, what had kind of emerged was a growing trend of talking about the frustrations in Nancy's marriage. You know, stresses with the in-laws, fights about money, and that constant conversation about how many times Nancy's husband needed to go out with the guys. I mean, regular guy stuff that annoys women all the time. Only this time there was a sense of desperation in her voice, like things were kind of coming to a head. And sensing that kind of new level of urgency, Cheryl thought that maybe uh, a program at her church might help. She explained to Nancy that at her church, uh, there was a, an entire department that built into marriages, both in the remedial sense and in the enrichment sense. And, you know, maybe she would like to try out one of those programs, either alone or, or along with her husband. But she was kind of taken aback at Nancy's immediate aversion. And she leaned in and whispered softly to her friend, hey, you know, no offense, but I, I just don't think that's going to work for me. Well, as they pressed into that, trying to uncover, you know, where that aversion came from in Nancy, Nancy eventually pointed to another team mom, a team mom who didn't sit with them regularly. Instead, they preferred to sit right in the front row, right against the glass, really close to the bench where they could bang on the glass anytime a referee made an objectionable call or anytime the coach made a decision that they disagreed with. Nancy pointed out that this particular team mom happened to go to church as well. In fact, they let the world know they often took photos of their family in their Sunday best and posted it on social media while during the week posting intermittent Bible quotes. But unfortunately, from Nancy's perspective, the only quotes that she ever heard come out of this mom's mouth were quotes of degradation. And as she pointed to that team mom banging on the glass, she whispered to her friend, I just don't think that church would work for me. Natalie was uh, out for an after-work drink with her friend Chelsea. Uh, the two of them had only been working at the store at the local mall for a couple months. They were just supplementing a little bit of income uh, while they were in university together. But already they'd become pretty good friends. And as the server brought their two glasses of wine, Natalie kind of breathed a sigh of relief. It was only a week before final exams in this semester. And Natalie was sharing with her friend Chelsea... You know, just how important these marks mattered. You know, she'd given this talk many times about how these courses and these grades were going to turn into admission to this program for this grad school in order to get this career and build this life that she'd always wanted and dreamed of. And frankly, her parents probably expected of her. But as she shared with her friend, Natalie confided that it was around this time of year, right a week or so before final exams, that, that she didn't really sleep well at night. She was kind of getting so worked up and stressed. And so, you know, that keg-sized glass of Cab Sove was going to hopefully really help. Well, sympathizing with her plight, uh, Natalie's 
uh, friend Chelsea wondered if maybe the study cafe that her church offered college and university students would be of benefit to her. I mean, it's not like everyone studied the same courses or prepared for the same exams, she explained to Natalie, but at least you had strength in numbers. At least you had some company to kind of support you in the journey. Natalie, though, immediately kind of rejected the idea, you know, feeling like she wouldn't fit in in, in a crowd like that. When Chelsea pushed, pushed her further, Natalie kind of confided in her that she'd had kind of a bad experience a few years earlier while she was in high school attending a summer camp where she basically spent the week alone because she didn't go to the Christian high school in town that most of the kids from the summer camp were attending together. And on top of that, she said, besides her, her political views and her passion for advocacy and social justice probably wouldn't track with a, a crowd like that. No offense, of course. And and then she said, besides, what would I say to Nadine? Nadine was a mutual uh, work colleague of theirs uh, who identified as a lesbian, but whose church parents weren't on speaking terms with her. She said, it just wouldn't feel right to me, even if these people accepted me, if they wouldn't accept my friends. Nick sat on his next door neighbor's porch and imagine what life was going to be like just a few weeks ahead when he finally reached retirement. Nick and his neighbor Chuck had been neighbors for almost a quarter century on this street. And they'd talked long hours into many nights about what retirement would look like for the two of them and their families. You know, what kind of travel excursions they would go on. How they would spoil their grandkids and who would be the first to shoot their age for 18 holes. Only in this particular conversation, Nick started to get a little bit more philosophical. He looked over at his neighbor, Chuck, and he said, Chucky, do you think I made a difference? He said, what do you mean? He said, like, not a, not a difference in my portfolio. I mean, we know that's solid. Like a difference, you know, a real difference in, in people. Do, do you think the clients that I served for all these years are any better off or any different because I worked with them compared to the guy down the street? Sensing his uh, sudden focus shift from success to significance, um, Chuck wasn't sure how to respond to his neighbor, Nick, but he said, I don't know if you made a difference, uh, but you could certainly come make a difference with me in a couple months. We're headed down to the Dominican Republic. Why don't you come? And Chuck explained to his neighbor, Nick, that he was part of a missions team at their church and they were going down in a couple months to repair the roof of a school that they'd built a few years earlier that had been ravaged by a recent tornado. Nick right away kind of laughed under his breath and said, oh, Chucky, you know how I feel about church, buddy. Don't do that to me. He reminded his neighbor of that image that he had growing up as a little kid forced to go to church every week where he felt in his experience it, it didn't matter how you behaved or what you believed so long as every single week you put something in that tray when it was passed, you know, down the, down the pew. He said, uh, you know, that, that kind of image haunted him, especially as an adult when it seemed like so many church friends of his were eager to phone him or knock on his door when they needed a prize or some support for a fundraiser they were doing, but never really ever called him to hang out or invited him or his wife over for dinner. Lately, he'd been serving on that 
nonprofit board in town and he'd started to be learning about return on investment for charities and you know he just couldn't justify the idea of flying himself down for thousands of dollars to do something he was totally unskilled at as making a real difference see to Nick you know money talked gang do any of those stories track with any of you do any of those stories sound familiar to you? Have you heard people in your circles share those kinds of sentiments and experiences? Or maybe have you shared those ever yourself? Because if those stories seem like they're completely made up and imaginative, we've got to appreciate, gang, that these are the stories of our day and age. Survey was done uh, in 2018 in the United Kingdom, which is a very similar spiritual temperature to a place like Canada, and uh, discovered that 81% of non-Christian people surveyed did not believe that the church added positive value to society. 81% did not see the church as a positive influence in its world. And asked to cite an adjective that most kind of resonated with their understanding or experience of the church, the number one adjective chosen was the word judgmental. And a close second, just one percentage point behind, was the word hypocritical. In fact, this survey uh, was so discouraging that it, it, it motivated the, the, convey, the conveners of the survey to draw this conclusion. It said uh, in this article that church leaders are liable to overestimate the public's goodwill towards the church. <laughs> Understatement of the year, you've got to think. But that's not all. Uh, pollsters also conducted a survey a couple of years ago in the United States this time, uh, specifically of millennials, and discovered very similar impressions. Over half of the unchurched, non-Christian millennials that were surveyed believed that the Christian church only ever always cared about itself. 85% would have equated the Christian church with hypocritical. 87% would have felt that the Christian church was judgmental. And a whopping 91% of millennials surveyed felt that the Christian church was more than anything anti-homosexual. And in this particular survey, instead of uh, describing or choosing those adjectives, they were actually asked to pick an image of a number of images that were offered of something that to them represented or captured the essence of the Christian church these days. And tied for first were these two images, one of a finger wagging preacher and the other of an angry protester. Can you imagine the likes of people who would think such things? Gang, we've got to awaken to the fact that people in our day and age are not turning to the Christian church for support in their lives. And the stories that I shared, while kind of made up, are kind of not. Because the Nancys and the Natalies and the Nicks of places like the Niagara region are all over the place. These are the stories of our day and age. And unfortunately, in many cases, the Cheryls, the Chelsea's, and the church-going Chucks have no idea what to do about them. Question I want to ask today, though, 
in the dawn of this new ministry season on what we typically refer to around here as vision day is what if there was a different story that could be told? What if there was a different story that people could enter into? Because I don't know about you, but in my world, I've had the front row seat for the last two decades plus to be able to watch a community of faith tell a different story than that. Over the last two decades, I've watched a, com a, a community of faith awaken to the fact that the local church is unlike any organization in the world in that it fundamentally exists for ends not unto itself. It exists for others. And an awakening to that reality has been willing to make radical changes over the years, beginning with things like dress code and music style. But it didn't stop there. I watched this church after making some of those changes and experiencing some buzz and some numerical growth in the heyday of that hype face a very sobering question that asked if the church up and disappeared, would anyone even notice in the surrounding society? And in the haunting but obvious answer to that question, instead of continuing to do what they'd always done, they up and relocated and repositioned themselves to the downtown core of the major city in their region so that they could be in proximity with real people in real need. Resulting in opening up for the last 15 years or so, the largest homeless shelter in the entire region that offers around 50,000 meals and about 15,000 bed nights a year. I've watched this church grow in their compassion and justice to such a degree that as things were kind of continuing to buzz, rather than figuring out how to draw a greater crowd, they were determined to figure out how to replicate this social asset that they were seeking to become. And they coined this phrase of an anchor cause that would define each of their new locations across the region, serving other marginalized and neglected people like low-income families and migrant farm workers. And these days, as I watch this uh, church community continue to grow and flex its muscles in compassion and justice, it's not just advocating for the cause of women and female leaders slaying the dragon of patriarchy. It's also sensitizing itself to indigenous rights and developing relationships with the indigenous community and awakening to the crisis in their region around issues like sex trafficking. I've even seen fledgling groups of people kind of huddle, imagining what big construction projects we could get into in the future. You know, like super center shelters or, or leveraging uh, different land on properties to, to address the region's housing crises. But even then, it didn't stop there. I've had the front row seat of watching this faith community uh, reevaluate why it is that they get together on weekends and gather in the first place. You know, so many churches assemble to kind of convene around classrooms or concerts or some combination of the two. But I watched this community kind of reverse engineer what it would take to actually live a life that resembled the person of Jesus in increasing ways. And in reverse kind of engineering, backtracking that, designed a service that they now describe as a spiritual gymnasium. That helps people not only exercise their faith, but learn and experiment with practices that they can employ in their everyday. And by employing those practices, dial in to the life and presence and transformative power of Jesus to a greater degree to look like him more and more each day. And it still doesn't stop there. Because over the years, I've watched this particular community kind of ask hard questions about what it means 
to offer legitimate welcome and hospitality to people, even people who have different perspectives than you, especially when they live on the fringes of society. And lately, kind of watch them focus on what is really essential for faith in Jesus versus uh, what is ultimately not essential and therefore can create some room for difference in interpretation or perspective. And in this world that this community is calling love beyond belief, I'm watching them paint a beautiful picture of unity in diversity like never before. Gang, what thrills my heart at the dawn of this new ministry season on what we typically call vision day is that we, I believe, are becoming more and more every day the kind of faith community that a place like the Niagara region is starving for because we're becoming the kind of community that increasingly is trying to make itself in the way it behaves look like the person of Jesus. Quick refresher, in case you haven't been around, that's the whole purpose of a Christian church. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that all of you believers, all of you together, are the one body of Christ, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. That's God's vision for the Christian church to literally be the body of Christ, to be Jesus with skin on. So that as people interacted with individual Christians and the faith community together, they would get a sense of what the life and love of God is like. Most famously described in John chapter 3, where in verse 16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus. We need to wake up to the fact that today, because of the risen reality of Jesus Christ, Jesus is eager to save and salvage lifeless, loveless marriages like the Nancys of Niagara. He's eager and desperate to come alongside and support the crippling anxiety in the Natalies of Niagara. And he's looking to save and rescue the Knicks of Niagara from their middle class, comfortable lives of inner meaninglessness and give them something really worth giving their lives to. We need to realize that Jesus is eager to provide that kind of rescue to the people of Niagara that we rub shoulders with. But we need to be equally sober about the reality that in our day and age, the Nancys and the Natalies and Nicks of Niagara, they're not looking to the church to do that. Because when it comes to the Christian church out there, words like hypocrisy, words like judgmentalism, and words like distrustfulness, especially when it comes to finances, are the kinds of words and images that ordinary citizens of a place like Niagara associate with the Christian church, whether we like to believe it or not. But again, what thrills me about where we find ourselves in this day and age is for over two decades, people have been tracking and God has been growing and we have been becoming something that can actually paint a contrary picture to the watching world. 
and through an innovative way of gathering that drives a greater degree of integrity through a courageous and creative uh, organizing of what the scriptures teach in a way that can foster a greater degree of inclusion and welcome and belonging and through a proven, credible investment of over half of our financial resources into local and global compassion, we are starting to change the picture that people around us can see. And instead of seeing hypocrisy, they can see integrity. And instead of seeing judgmentalism, they can see legitimate welcome. And instead of seeing distrustfulness, especially when it comes to money, they can see credibility and generosity through our community. What thrills me is that this isn't just a long-term pie-in-the-sky kind of dream anymore. You know, in my early days of church work, we used to talk about it, imagine what it would be like, we used to say internally, to have a 2020 vision. I don't know if you've been paying attention, gang, but the year 2020 is actually less than four months away. That time, as Jesus said when he walked the earth, that time is now. And we can actually capture and claim the kind of church that God is growing us into in order to be an agent of transformation in the watching world as we help people see Jesus more clearly, more comprehensively, and more continuously than ever before. I wonder, just to call a bit of a time out, whether there are some of us that are uh, part of our community today that are listening and feeling like, wow, you know, for as excited as you are, uh, it's hard to imagine why things have felt so tense around here lately. Um, full disclosure, if you're new here or you're checking us out online or you're just back for another school year or you've been cottaging all summer, um, in this latest era, we have as a leadership specifically been focusing on how to cultivate a greater degree of inclusion and engagement for LGBTQ plus Christians. And in doing so, we've been tracking down this road that we call love beyond belief, which is a way of understanding how the scriptures organize around things that ultimately matter for faith in Christ that we've all got to believe versus things that don't ultimately matter that we can have room to see differently. And in the reciprocity and mutual honor of differences of perspective, we can unify in diversity around these kinds of theologically polarizing topics. Truth be told, though, that some in our community have struggled with this. In fact, some in our community uh, not only have held a conviction, but have held this conviction so strongly that they actually believe it is incompatible with other convictions and can't see a way forward in being part of our community anymore and are having to make the difficult choice to feel like they need to leave. And if that's you today or you're watching online wondering what's going on, uh, let me just call that elephant out in the room and just get a few things on the record. First things first, if you're in that place, you got to know that we deeply, deeply love you. We're not in conflict. We're not mad at you. We just plain love you, want you to know that. Secondly, similarly, we don't want you to leave. The whole vision that we have and the way that we're understanding the scriptures is that this is the kind of thing we can actually not break fellowship over and that we can experience this beauty of reciprocal honor and unity and diversity where all kinds of different faith in, interpretations and perspectives can function as one. So we don't want you to feel like you need to leave. Worse off though, we, we actually think it's kind of wrong that you do. 
You know, not only does it violate Jesus' one prayer for unity in John 17, but at a more technical level, it takes theological issues about living the Christian life, what's technically known as sanctification issues, issues of becoming more like Jesus. And it hitches them to the core essence of what faith and life requires. It makes a sanctification issue into a deal-breaking salvation issue. And we're going to talk about this more in the months to come, especially as we launch into our new Bible study this year through the New Testament book of Galatians, which we're really excited about beginning in October. But we're going to learn just in the Coles notes that any time you hitch or tack on a sanctification issue to the salvation essential of by grace alone, through faith alone, life in Jesus Christ, you are actually polluting the gospel itself. And we don't want you to do that. We don't want to allow that to happen. Probably more than anything, though, if you're in that place, I'd just like you to be able to appreciate, especially in a conversation like today, that this era that we're finding ourselves as a church in today is not some hard right turn deviating from who we've been for years on end. In fact, this is the natural next step in the journey that God has had us on and the sense of calling that we as a leadership have felt for over two decades. You guys know, know me well enough to know that for over two decades, I've been quoting Gandhi saying, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. For over two decades, I've been sharing the story again and again and again of my dad looking at me in the eyes after his day at work when he got tomatoes thrown at him by Christian parents at the school that he was teaching at. And he looks me in the face and says, what would I want anything to do with that? I've been sharing the vision for over two decades of a faith community, not out there, not judging other churches, but simply looking at ourselves to ask what a faith community that can more clearly, more continuously, more completely paint a picture of Jesus could look like to the watching world. And that's the vision that we've been consistent on and the vision that we're going to continue to pursue into the future. So, for those of you who are still here today, give yourselves a round of applause. Congratulations for being here. But if you're tracking with that vision and you believe that more than anything, that's what a Christian church is intended by God to do, then I want to give you some takeaways today so that you can track with us as a community to a greater degree this year. For starters, I want you to think about the people in your life that you would most love to see the life and love of Jesus affect. You know, co-workers, classmates, uh, friends, family members, uh, teammates, neighbors, whatever. People in your life that you rub shoulders with that you would love to see Jesus affect. And try to narrow down some people that you could have on your radar to a greater degree this year. The language that we're using is, do you have four people that you could be for this year? Four people, not four projects, just four people that you rub shoulders with that you could simply have on your radar and be more intentional to be for this year. That's a takeaway for today. Another one would be to make sure that you, first of all, are fully engaging in this life of devotion to Christ that we're inviting people into that we facilitate through our three primary programs of our weekend services, our life groups, and our location-specific anchor causes. 
Join us regularly on Sundays as we learn the spiritual practices that we can employ in our lives to live like Jesus to a greater degree. Join a life group and experience the crucible of unity in diversity church family that we're seeking to become and plug in to the anchor cause at your location in order to experience the friendship that makes a difference for everyone. So that number three, as you're in conversation with those Nancys, with those Natalies, and with those Nicks of the Niagara region that you are for, you can invite them to join you and experience this life of adventure in community together with you from a place that is credible and visible so that it's something that they can see in you. Now, if you're here today and you happen to be one of those people, you're just checking us out online or it's your first time at one of our Southridge locations, a special welcome to you. Let, let me address you just for a moment in a specific way. If you're new to Southridge, I want you to know that we know that you want to live a vibrant life that makes a difference. We all do. And we know that you need people around you to support you to that end. We know that because we all do. But we also know that you've been averse to look to a church to be those people to bring out your best self because of poor reputation and lack of trust. We also know that, know that we know that, know that we're devastated by that and know that we believe that it shouldn't be that way. We believe that churches should help people instead of hurt them, that churches should help solve people's problems instead of making them worse especially when people are searching for God and spirituality. That can be so elusive, never mind the difficulty in trusting a church, which is why here at Southridge, we're trying to be committed to not only preaching the message of the Bible and preaching the message of Jesus, but engaging when we gather in the kinds of spiritual practices that will help us be people who practice what we preach in a way that we can live out locally and globally with over half of the financial resources that we collect invested into compassion and justice to make a difference in other people so that we're not just trying to practice what we preach, but we're also putting our money where our mouth is. We invite you to come check us out and to see if we're actually as legitimate as we're aspiring to be. Specifically, if that's you, I'd invite you to come for the next three Sundays as we continue to experience and, and discover what it would mean for a community like ours to be for Niagara. The following Sunday on October the 6th, we'd invite you to the after service event that's going to be brand new called Next Steps, where leaders from each location are going to gather and help new people navigate their way around our community so they can plug in to a greater degree. And we hope that in the course of the next month, you'll not only journey with us, but you'll connect with someone directly in whatever way that's convenient and comfortable for you. So that in this season of your life, people can come alongside and help you get out of that funk of the status quo life we find ourselves in so often. Where we're longing, longing for more, but don't know where to turn. And instead, let us help guide you into this vibrant spirituality where you can make a difference together in community. That's our prayer for you, hoping above all else that you would know that you know that God is for you. And as a community desiring to be Jesus with skin on, we are for you too. Now, for the rest of us 
who wish that we could articulate that message to the people that we want to be for, I just hope that you would remember one simple thing today. That is that that message, the good news of the love and life-changing power of Jesus Christ in our day and age is ultimately not a message that is said. It's a message to our people that is seen. The people of Niagara do not need that message said to them. The people of Niagara need to see it. They need to see it in you. They need to see it in me. They need to see it in us together. Jesus always knew it would work that way. In Matthew chapter 5, he said to his first followers, you guys, you gals, you are the light of the world. So let your light shine before others so that they may what? So that they may, say it out loud, so that they may see, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The wonderful message of the person and work of Jesus Christ in our day and age, gang, is not ultimately something that is said. It is something that is seen. Or, put differently, to quote a famous Canadian, Marshall McLuhan, when it comes to faith, the medium is the message. The medium of how a local church, local faith community behaves and functions is the message of Jesus to the world around it. And when a church gathers like a classroom and gathers like a, con like a concert with no behavioral difference during the week, the message that it sends is one of hypocrisy. And when a church clusters around each other and demands sameness of everyone to belong, what it sends to the watching world is a message of exclusion and judgmentalism. And when a church invests the majority of its resources into the betterment of itself, it sends a message to the watching world of uh, kind of distrustfulness and skepticism, especially when it comes to money. But what thrills me today is that we as Southridge Community Church at the dawn of 2020 have the wonderful, miraculous opportunity to send a different message by painting a different picture to the watching world and trading that impression of hypocrisy for integrity, trading that impression of judgmentalism for legitimate welcome, and trading that impression of distrustfulness and skepticism for one of proven, credible generosity beyond ourselves. If you want to paint that picture as badly as I do, then join in with us this year. Because as a leadership like never before, we believe that Jesus is real today. We believe that his love is available for everyone, literally everyone. And we believe that he came and died and rose again so that he could be love incarnate on earth and entrust that legacy to people like you and me, as imperfect as we are, to affect people around us in a way that most defines us as love incarnate as well. If you want to be those people, if you want to let the people that you love most know that God is for them, then join us this year as we seek to be for Niagara like never before. Let's pray together. God, at the dawn of this new school year and ministry season, uh, we just want to say thanks for being for us. Even though we can't earn and don't deserve your love, thank you that you are for us. We love you for it. God, help us as a church community to not just awaken to that, but to, to awaken to the sobriety of how people outside of a life with you actually view us. And help us to do what it takes 
to change that impression, not just as a PR campaign, but as a fundamentally different way of life. God, even right now, impress on our minds and hearts the people that you've put in our circles that we could be for this year and help us as a church family across our locations to legitimately be for the people of the Niagara region like never before. We pray for all of the Nancys, all the Natalies and all of the Nicks across Niagara that are desperate to see you make a difference in their lives, to realize that there could be hope if they turned to a Christian church as we paint the picture of who Jesus is, functioning to a greater degree as Jesus with skin on. God, make us those people, make us that church community, make us that picture of the person of Jesus Christ. We know that that's your plan for us. We thank you for your faithfulness to do that so faithfully for so long. We look forward to watching you work this year. Everyone who's together and agreed with me said, in Jesus' name, amen.